And, uh, and so today we're going to continue our series and we're talking about the neglect of our bodies. But first, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, be honest with me, guys. It's okay. Uh, we're in church. How many of you guys have started strong with your New Year's resolutions? How many of you are on track with the goals that you set out? Everybody? Okay, okay. Uh, not very many hands, guys. All right, uh, okay, all right. Moment of truth. By a show of hands, who, let's say, um, needs a little motivation to continue their New Year's resolution? Okay, a lot more, a lot more. Thank you guys for the honesty. I appreciate I see that hand. You know, guys, I understand. It is, it is difficult to make goals and to try to stick by them. Isn't that right? right? It's very difficult to do that. Uh, can I share one of my goals with you guys? Would you mind if I share one of mine? Uh, no? Okay. Well, I'm going to share it anyway because it's in my notes. So uh, one of my goals is this. It's to read 12 books this year. All right? That's at least one book a month. Now, I know some of you readers, you're like, geez, Danny, that's it, really? All you're going to read is 12 books a year because you guys are really strong readers and you can read like, you know, 500-page book in a week. Uh, others of you are like, book? What is it? What is? I've heard of this book thing, but I don't quite know uh, what that is. If it doesn't have a lot of pictures and you can't read it in one sitting, you're like, no, I ain't touching it, right? But for me, I know I'm a slow reader. It takes me a little bit of time. So I wanted to set a pace that I knew it would be a, it would be a challenge. It would be a push. But I, I know that it would also be attainable. And this is actually a very bit of important information to help you reach your goals. In fact, I'm going to give you some more information that you didn't come to church for. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here's what it is. Set incremental, realistic, and reachable goals. Set incremental, realistic, and reachable goals. Because each time you meet the goal, here's what you can do. You can set, them, you can set a new marker. Right? That way you can build momentum and you can begin to see progress. And that's going to help you stay the path and keep you in the right direction. You know, a lot of times uh, it just ends up, we, we just put a, a goal that's too large for us that we can't obtain. All right, I want to drop, you know, 100 pounds in two months, right? I, I want to I see this happen. That's just not a realistic goal. It's too large of a goal for us to achieve. And ultimately what it does, is sets us up for failure. All right, my goal, if I would have said my goal is to read, you know, 35 books this year, I'm setting myself up for failure because I know I can't reach that goal. We need to set realistic goals. And then uh, when, when you set those large goals, you can just end up being discouraged, tired, and then that can just lead to you giving up, right? A lot of times, it just ends up being a list of excuses as to why you cannot fulfill a certain goal. And I'm sure, as I say this, there's, there's excuses that are coming up into your mind as to why you haven't been able to achieve the goals you set out uh, just a couple weeks ago. Let's talk specifically when it comes to our bodies, because after all, you know, we're in a series called Bad for God. So what excuses are you making up that says that you cannot take care of your body and honor God with your body? What excuses are you making? I want you guys to remember our key verse for this series, uh, which is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. This is kind of our foundational verse that we've kind of based our whole uh, series around. So would you guys read this verse out loud with me together? Ready? Go. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. Guys, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should treat it with care because Paul says that we are not our own. Paul says that we were bought at a price, therefore we should glorify God with our bodies. And we mentioned that there's two ways that many people tend to look at their bodies. Um, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the two ways. Which way, by the way, uh, do you tend to look at your body? One is an obsession over your body. It's an obsession over your body. It's an obsession over your looks, an obsession over your physique. 
You abuse your body. You starve yourself. You spend all your time, all your money, and all your energy at the gym just to get the look that you want. Is there anything wrong with the gym? Is there anything wrong with looking good? Is there anything wrong with exercise? Absolutely not. But as Stephen helped us see last Sunday, when it becomes first place in your life, when it becomes an idol, then that's when it takes the place of God, and that's when it becomes sin. The other way to look at it is to completely neglect your body. Right? This is what we're going to be talking about today. It's when you simply, you've given up, and you do not put a conscious effort to take care of your God-given body and to honor God with your body. Some of the excuses you might put is this, I'm too busy, Danny. You don't, you don't understand my schedule. I just don't have time for it to be able to take care of myself. I'm too broke to eat healthy. I'm not disciplined enough. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the motivation. I don't have the relationships or the support or the community that I need. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. Right? You list like a million and one excuses. Some of you, you try to get all theological, right? You, you have biblical reasons for why you can't have a bod for God or why you neglect your bodies. You have Bible verses, right? I found some of these Bible verses that you sneaky guys try to, try to put in there like this one. 2 Corinthians 10, 31, it says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? Do everything for the glory of God. So you guys take that verse and you're like, that's my life verse, Danny. It says it right there. Whatever I do, whatever I eat or drink, I do everything for the glory of God. So... Danny, I'm just giving God a lot of glory is what I'm doing, right? That's your life verse. Others of you, your life verse is this one, Isaiah 22, 13. And it says this, but look, joy and gladness, butchering of cattle. There's all the burgers right there. you like, see, Danny, I can have all the burgers that I want. The slaughtering of sheep. Anybody like gyros? You guys like that? The gyros? Eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You see, Danny, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. So while I'm alive, I'm going to eat like there's no tomorrow, right? And that's your life verse. This is some of the excuses that you guys put. In fact, some of your reasoning sounds a little bit like this guy. Check out this video right here. Food! I travel, I eat whatever I want. Because when, when I'm ever at home, my wife's always like, you should eat healthy. And I explain to her, no. <laughs> and here's my rationalization. Eat healthy, you live longer. But as Christians... This world is not our home. <laughs> That's right. Healthy people lack faith. Have a Twinkie for Jesus. I have a message. Eat sugar, see God. That's some of you guys, right? That's some of you guys there. That's, that's, that's your reasoning. You get all theological for why you can eat whatever you want and not take care of your body. But is, is that what God really intended for us to believe about our bodies? Well, we shouldn't be obsessed about, over our bodies, you know, we shouldn't neglect it either. Remember, God created our bodies and he cares for us. So for the rest of our time, we want to look at three things that will hopefully encourage us not to neglect our bodies, but instead to help us truly honor God with our bodies. First, I want to give you guys a little context for the verses that we're going to be in today. It was written uh, in 1 Corinthians, it was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's the author of this letter, and this letter was given to a church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a city, it was a booming city. It was known for its commerce, it was known for its culture, and it was actually known for its religion. There were 12 temples dedicated to various gods and goddesses in Corinth. It was a very morally perverse culture. The Corinthians adopted a kind of a, a be and let be sort of mentality. 
Imagine this. The, one of their goddesses was the goddess Aphrodite. And how did they worship her? Temple prostitution. It was a religious act of worship. Is what, that's how they would worship her. They were a very loose and very perverse and very immoral culture. And among all of this, imagine this, a Christian church is planted there. And Paul learns that some of this loose thinking has crept into the church. And he writes this letter to address some of the issues that are going on there. And along with the sexual immorality, obviously, that they are facing, there were also issues with things like this, like gluttony, like greed, like recklessness. Uh, this translates not only to a sexually immoral life, but even to the relationship that they had with food and with their stomachs. And here's one of the first things that we're going to learn. If you're taking notes, take out your message notes there. It's the first fill in the blanks. You have some fill in the blanks there so you can kind of track along. Here's number one in your, uh, the first thing we learn when it comes to the neglect of our bodies. Number one in your notes. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Doesn't, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I look at what 1 Corinthians 6.12 says. It says, everything is permissible for me, but what? Read this next part. But not everything is helpful. You guys just underlined that part right there. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. You see, one of the excuses that the Corinthians made was that everything was permissible. In other words, that they had this newfound freedom to do whatever that they wanted to do. And they used the newly found freedom in Christ to excuse their behavior. You know, under the Jewish law, there was all sorts of restrictions, not only sexually and morally, but there were even dietary restrictions. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jesus fulfilled the law, and now the Corinthians were using this freedom to justify their actions. Honestly, this is the excuse that many Christians use today to justify their actions, because, because we've experienced grace, right? Because God is so loving, because God is so forgiving, then obviously this gives me permission to do whatever I want, right? To live however I want. But Paul is saying here, just because you have this freedom doesn't mean that you can abuse it. Let me ask you guys a question. I have a picture I want you guys to look at right here. How many of you have ever eaten Waffle Crisp? Anybody have ever eaten Waffle Crisp? All right, you can admit that in church if you have. Okay, it's totally fine. I have. In fact, I, don't let this date me, but I remember when the cereal first came out. I don't know how many of you are old enough to know that, like when the cereal first released. But I remember when it first came out, and I was so excited for it, seeing commercials. I was like, yes, a, cere a cereal bowl full of waffles? Of course, right? Who doesn't want that? And back in the day, I used to stay in my grandparents' house a ton, and guess what? They bought the brand new box of Waffle Crisp cereal, and I couldn't wait to get my pudgy, grubby little hands on it. And my grandparents, listen, they would let me eat whatever I wanted. They did not say no. How many of these grandparents are like that, right? Yeah, my grandparents, they let me eat whatever I wanted. So they let me have at it. And so I served myself a bowl, and I took a bite of that syrupy, crunchy goodness. And man, it tasted so good to me, man. It was so yummy. So I thought to myself, you know what? Man, I'm satisfied right now, but I have this freedom in my grandparents. You know what I mean? And so they don't tell me no, and I have the freedom to have another bowl. So guess what I did? I ate another bowl, and then I ate another bowl, and then I had another bowl. By the time it was all said and done, I finished the whole box of cereal. I know you guys don't believe me, but I did. In one, in one sitting, I ate, I ate a whole box of cereal. By the time I was done, I finished it. But then, in all that freedom that I had, all of a sudden, what used to smell good, what used to taste good, 
what looked so good to me, it didn't no longer look good and smell good and taste good. I smelled it like, you know, the box, you smell it. I was like, oh, get this away from me. I done ate so much of the cereal that it no longer tasted good to me. In, in front of God, guys, till this day, I haven't touched Waffle Crisp ever again. If somebody opens the box, I want to vomit. I, I hate the smell. And it's because I overindulge in this freedom in my grandparents. Just because I can eat a box of cereal doesn't mean I should eat a box of cereal, right? And that's the point that Paul is making. He's saying that everything is permissible, but you know what? Not everything is beneficial. Not everything is helpful. And while we have freedom to neglect our bodies and eat whatever you want, get into whatever shape you want. What shape do you want? You want to be a string bean or you want to be a potato? Whatever you want, go for it. It doesn't mean we should, right? You have freedom and you also have the freedom to release your freedom. You guys get what I'm saying? You can release the freedom to confine yourself to the patterns of this world and meet its ridiculous standards. And you also have the freedom to release the neglect of your body to fulfill your greedy, your self-pleasing, your gluttonous desires. All right? So just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Here's number two in your notes. The next thing we learn is that we should practice self-control. We should practice self-control. Let's reread that verse. In verse 12, it says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but... Read this next part of the verse with me out loud. Ready? Go. I will not be brought under the control of anything. Would you guys underline uh, that part right there in your notes? You know, I think about this. I might still have loved Waffle Crisp cereal if I had practiced a little self-control, right? But how difficult is this for us sometimes? Anybody want to be honest and say, yeah, I I agree with that. It's hard to practice self-control, right? It is. It's very difficult, especially with things that matter and the things that we enjoy. Listen, nobody has to practice self-control over eating too much broccoli, Anybody told you, no, stop, you're, you're going to hurt yourself. Please stop. Stop eating broccoli. Nobody got to tell you to stop doing Brussels, eating Brussels sprouts. Right? Nobody got to tell you. Oh, how about, Danny, I think you read the Bible way too much. I got to tell you, we need an intervention. We need like a Bible's anonymous, you know, you need to go to. Oh, man, you pray, too, you pray way too much. You're really, you're like, you know, you're neglecting your, your family, your wife and kids because you're praying. Oh, nobody, nobody struggles with that. You don't have to practice self-control with those things. But overindulging on your favorite food or a lackadaisical attitude towards exercise or eating better, right? Binge watching Fuller House on Netflix and eating more chips, donuts, and soda than any human ever should, that takes self-control. But why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? I think the Bible helps us see at least three reasons. This is not in your notes. If you're an extra note taker like I am, uh, you might want to write this on the margin. I think there's three reasons the Bible helps us see why. Uh, The first is this, that it's a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, which means that you need the Spirit's power. Look at what Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says. Uh, This is also not in your notes. Maybe you want to make a note there on the margins. Uh, But you can also read it and follow along on the screen. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? And self-control. You see, we need God's power to help us in the area of self-control. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And here's what that means. It means that as a result of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, by His power, we can practice and we can exhibit self-control. Here's another reason why I think it's so hard. Uh, The second thing is this. Because it requires self-denial. It requires self-denial. Look at what Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says. 
It says, if anyone, this is Jesus speaking, these are Jesus' words. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him what? This is up here. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Would you guys just circle, oh, actually write it on the, on the side because it's not in your notes. Write down, just, I must deny myself. Luke 9.23, deny myself. Self-control means that you are denying your flesh of its sinful desires, of, of giving it what it wants in order to pursue what God wants. To practice self-control is to say no to certain things that you think look good or taste good or makes you feel good. It's the denial of self. And here's the third thing I think the Bible helps us see is this, that we should seek help in community. Seek help in community. Here's the point that you probably wish I wasn't going to say. But the truth is that we so often want to live such isolated lives that we are unable to confess our need for help and and receive help from others. We're unable to confess that and to let others know that we truly need help in a certain area. We need help uh, with this particular situation. But here's something very powerful about surrounding yourself with community. I love what James chapter 5 verse 16 says. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me? Ready? Go. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confess your sins. If you confess your sin and if you confess your need for help, Imagine what help you could receive from a community of people that love you, from a community of people that care for you, a community of people that can hold you accountable, that can pray with you, that can challenge you. Perhaps you will, like the verse say, maybe you will begin to experience some healing. Here's the last thing that we learned from this uh, passage. Number three, this is in your notes, this is fill in the blank. Is this the third thing and the last thing that we're going to learn today is that we should honor God with our body. Honor God with our body. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.13. It says this, Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will do away with both of them. Now, if you guys notice uh, in your Bibles or if you notice in that, in that passage there in the verse, you guys notice that there's quotes right there? You guys notice that? And so if you notice that there's quotes, it's because the Bible translators put that there um, because they, they, they considered that to be a quote. They, they, they considered that this was more than likely a statement. Food for the stomach, stomach for the food. What, stomach for food was a, was a, a popular refrain uh, for the day. In other words, chances are that this was a popular saying in the day. The, the Corinthians would probably say this all the time, including the Christian Corinthians. They, they also adopted this saying. And what do you think they're trying to say with that? What do you think they're trying to say with uh, food for the stomach and stomach for food? And basically what they're saying is that every day is a good day for a buffet. All right? That's basically what they're saying. What's today, Sunday? It's raining outside? You know what? It sounds like a good day for a buffet. And what's tomorrow? Monday? It's Martin Luther King Day, right? It's a good day for a buffet, right? This is basically what they were saying. They were saying that they could eat all they want, indulge in whatever they want, Consume everything in sight because, hey, that's what the stomach is for. Right? What else is the stomach for? It doesn't serve any other purpose except to consume food. But what is Paul's response? What does Paul say? He says that God will do away with both. And what he means is that what they're living for is temporary. Eating all you want, indulging all you want, just to satisfy the pleasures of your flesh now, when this isn't all we have. There's something beyond our time here. There's an eternity that we have to look forward to. And food had become an idol for the Corinthians. And they had taken their eyes off of Christ. 
They were following the patterns of the world and they were having this unhealthy relationship with food and they were choosing to please their stomachs over pleasing God. And honestly, this is what so many of us have a lot of times. We have a bad relationship with food, which is why so often we struggle with having a bod for God or trying to live a healthier lifestyle. Let me prove it to you. Many times when you're stressed, when you're overworked, or when you're tired, what do you turn to? For many, we turn to food, right? We even call it comfort food, right? You call it comfort food. We wrap all our emotions around food, and we even eat to try to feel better. A lot of times we turn to food for satisfaction. I had a bad day. I'm going to go through this entire tub of ice cream, right? I had an awesome day. I'm going to go through this whole box of donuts. You're going to celebrate, right? We, we go through food. We go to food for satisfaction. We constantly seek satisfaction in our food. And for so many, our food, our stomachs have become our idols. And instead of listening to the Spirit of God, we listen to the rumbles of our stomachs and we pursue things that if we're completely honest, we don't really need. But you see, we need to honor God with our body. Ultimately, what you need to realize is that your comfort and your satisfaction and that your value shouldn't come from food or from whatever your sinful flesh craves. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we ultimately find satisfaction and comfort and our value in Christ. Our key verse says that our bodies are not our own because we were bought at a price. And the price is Jesus' death on the cross. He died for our sin. He died for your sins. All of them. This includes your sin of greed. This includes your sin of gluttony. This includes your sin of idolatry to find comfort and satisfaction in food. Jesus died for that too. Jesus died in your place. And he took God's wrath upon himself. And he died. And in his death, you can experience forgiveness of your sin. But by God's power, three days later, God conquered the grave. And death could not hold him down. And in his life, you can experience newness of life. You have the power to overcome temptation. Yes, even the temptation to take care of your body, to eat too much. You have the power to overcome that temptation. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, then I want you to take a moment just to reflect on this. Take a moment to, rec to reflect on the sacrifice that he did to, to go and, and pay the price for your sin, to die in your place. Reflect on the free gift of grace. And perhaps today, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. He's tugging on your heart and he's calling you to Christ. Then all you have to do is accept God's free gift of grace today. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, I know that in a lot of ways, this can be a hard word to receive. But God, hard words make soft hearts. So I pray that we would have softened hearts to hear from you today. And uh, not simply to hear, God, but to put into action and to do. Empower us by your spirit to put into action what you're showing us today. And help us practice self-control um, in all aspects of life. Not just you know, with our stomachs and food, God, but everything that our sinful flesh craves. Our desire is to honor you with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. Help us live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.